0: This episode of Downtime features UK choreographer Gary Clark. I know Gary really well, as I've worked with him for almost 12 years. I was dramaturg on his shows Coal and Wasteland. Coal won a UK Theatre Award and a Critics Circle Award, which is nice. Gary known for creating a place to tell socio-political stories and histories of the British working class in a contemporary dance sector, no mean feat, and is loved and respected across the industry. In our chat, we talk about how Gary Clark Company initially responded to the COVID lockdown, how the future might look for the company and the sector and the arrival of a peacock in his dad's back garden.
1: Hello, Gary Clark. Hello, Lou. How are you doing?
0: I'm really good. Gary, thank you so much for joining me. Um, So, a lot has happened. Um, You were mid-tour... When we went into lockdown, you were in the middle of your Wasteland tour Uh, and I know that you and your producer Annabelle Dunbar have been very busy developing a whole new digital offer. Um, I wonder if you could tell me a little bit about how that was for you, what it was like having to ditch the, the Wasteland tour and then find a whole new way of working.
1: Yeah, well, it's been quite a change for us. Um, we were in Birmingham when the uh, COVID nineteen kind of pandemic really kind of hit with force. Mm. So we knew it was on the horizon, but just like everybody, we just kind of continued. Life had to carry on until we knew otherwise. Uh, so we'd finished up in Birmingham. We went on to Crew um kind of did well there and then it was whilst we were on our way up to scotland like literally half of the company was up there mm. and me and annabelle was uh, traveling and we just got told that you know the government had made this announcement that we were about to go into lockdown from immediate effect um And then we got a phone call from the theatre, which basically said, turn around. (laughs) So we literally were kind of mid-tour. We had a show that week. Um, We all knew the enormity of what was happening. So there was no kind of pushback. Everybody was really sympathetic to what was happening. Um, Me personally, I expected that to happen. So it wasn't a shock to me. Or everybody, really, as a team, it's something that we spoke about, and we knew that it might be happening.
0: That's still hard so, to believe it's real when it actually does happen. Yeah, it's a bit—it's a bit of a
1: shock, but you know, re- remember, it, it came at a time when the pandemic was really high, and there was a lot of general panic amongst the people. So we, it was kind of caught up in in a lot of other things. It wasn't mm. just a tour. And I guess for me, I took kind of comfort in knowing that this was a. A world struggle you mm. know that we were going through this it wasn't just about us as a company and with that I could kind of relax and take a step back and think about the next steps forward really practically um and then we just had to work week by week and and show by show that the, the tour was kind of spread out over two months so week by week we would get in touch with the theatres and of course one by one they just uh had to close and let us know that the the show was no longer Mm. going ahead which was really sad because we'd we'd done a fantastic run we started a year ago we got brilliant reviews we were building up uh, real momentum you know our audiences were building we were getting fantastic responses so just for it to suddenly stop
0: god it's unthinkable um, isn't it
1: it was heartbreaking, but at the same time it was totally the right thing and totally understandable um, and you know <laughs> luckily we were able um with the support and the help from the arts Council of England to fully support our freelance team you know that we're not a, an NPO so we were able to Um, honor people's fees and incomes Um, again thanks to the Arts Council and and the venues they they helped a lot with that so we were in quite a lucky position to have that um, support and infrastructure there to be able to do that because I I know a lot of projects didn't have that at hand so absolutely I mean the Arts
0: Council advice was to try to pay your freelancers um, people that have already been contracted but of course that hasn't happened in lots of cases so it's really great that you were able to do that. Um and then and then what happened
1: Well suddenly I mean I you know all over social media there was all of these kind of online classes and talks and workshops you know companies just sprung into action and started to try and find a way to deal with this situation Um, and because we had a group of freelancers that we were paying and a team that we were honoring fees for we thought it would be a good opportunity to try and use that time effectively Mm -hmm. and see what we could do to try and bring Wasteland the Tour online Mm -hmm. so we started to Mm -hmm. look um, um, all of the activity that we did, that w- that was part of the tour, uh, ranging from, you know, dancers doing a warm-up to workshops, post-show discussions, interactive activity with our audiences, uh, our community engagement. And we tried to design uh, a programme that could be rolled out digitally online over a period of five weeks with live activity so we were still able to have some sort of real human live. Um, you know contact Um. with people so I worked really hard with um, Hans de Kretzer Associates in London who do all of our marketing and social media and and website design who are fantastic and between me, you know, the dancers and and Hans de Kretzer we were able to develop this very detailed, eclectic varied Mm. programme that runs over seven days a week so there's a lot happening (laughs) We had to really think about our delivery and the people that we were potentially reaching, potential new people, maybe children this time. Uh, You know, so we had to almost unpick what we delivered as a company and try to make it more inclusive and more varied and have a different kind of approach. You know, everybody's in lockdown. You know, everyone is struggling one way or another. So we had to. Try and think about ways of how that would be delivered, so mm-hmm. to bring some sort of joy, um, or physicality, or health, or even just warm ups to wake up in the morning and get motivated. Things for people to watch during these times, um, and I'm really proud that we were able to do that. We, you know, we took our time with it. We didn't rush. We wanted to make sure that it was professional and thorough and clear and, and authentic. Almost kind of- and authentic yeah mm-hmm. and somehow reflect the work that we would do when we're on tour mm-hmm. so it should almost like a mirror image but through a digital format
0: can I ask you did you have to do that for the funding or is it something you elected to do
1: no we weren't required to do that at all I think again uh, at that time the Arts Council you know were, were just themselves struggling daily to try and make sense of it all but mm-hmm. we we've just felt it's our duty as a company you know we really care about people we care about communities we care about our audiences we don't just make art for art's sake mm. you know we really enjoy working out in the pub in the public arena and with with people so for me it just felt like a, a real urgent thing to do it felt like a human thing to do and for for me and for my company it was our attempt to adding to trying to help mm. this awful pandemic you know it was our attempt at just trying to add something to better the situation so it wasn't required from us but I think as a team of of artists and professionals we wanted to do that we wanted to add without kind of over Populating it somehow, or adding to the, the amount, we wanted to take our time with it, and hence why it's only just been released.
0: Yeah, and why it's been, it's in, in such good state as well. <laughs> it's good quality um, scheduling, I think. Um, who's it aimed at? Is it aimed at your uh, dancers or the the audiences you normally get, or it seems a little bit wider than that? Is it? I think
1: so. Yeah, I mean, when you look at the kind of broader sense of what. Gary Clark Company do in terms of their work. We straddle a lot of areas. You know, we do a lot of activity for professional dancers, for student dancers, for community participants, non-dancers, different groups. Whenever we deliver our workshops, it's very bespoke to each group. We never kind of segregate. We're always we're wide open to to possibilities, and mm-hmm. that's something that we wanted to try and reflect in the program that we deliver is to make it as varied as possible because we don't know who's going to be tuning in to these sessions so we've you know me and the dancers we've had to have real in-depth conversations about the language that we use, the way that we speak, uh, the way that we talk to our audience, the way that we engage with the camera, how we introduce the session, things that we need to cover in terms of health and safety and well-being, uh, right down to the content and then the evaluation at the end, the wrap-up about how Mm -hmm. to get further involved and navigate people of where to find information for the next session. So it's been a real (laughs) thorough um, process and actually something that I've I've really enjoyed because digital platforms is not, is not something that I, I'm i known for or, or that I do as a choreographer. You know, I'm a technophobe most of the time. It terrifies me. But this process has had a real positive experience on me. So it enabled me the time and space to be able to look further into some of these areas. And I've really enjoyed it. I've really thoroughly got a lot out of it for my own development so now I know how to tweet. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Welcome, Gary. <laughs> Welcome to the future. Um, yeah, who'd have thought it, eh? Because I know that this is not your natural territory. And um, I can imagine it felt a bit uh, scary at times. But you feel like you, you recognise what it is you're offering. You feel like it speaks of you and the company. Um, it's a, it's not, not not a small achievement, I think. Well done. Um, and are, what's the take-up? Are people tuning in? Are you Are you able to... Do you have the figures on that yet?
1: Slowly but surely, yeah. I mean we we just had a conversation yesterday about figures and people are are tuning in, people are taking part, which is great and again with the help of Hans and his team, you know, who are fantastic about putting it out there on all platforms. People are really taking taking part in all the activity. Uh, one of the good things that, that we do is we save our classes and, and put that online so people are Great. accessing them at different points. So even if people have missed a live event, they can always go back and access it uh, at a different time. And we think that that is a real positive thing. And a lot of people have been engaging on all different platforms at different times of the day. Um, and that's something that we, we aim to continue into the future.
0: Oh, it's brilliant! Well done, well done, team. Um, and so, another project you're working on, um, and I know this because I'm working on it with you, is um, you're doing the final show at Northern School of Contemporary Dance, which you were going to be doing anyway, uh, a live show that would tour. Um, but now it's not a live show, um, and so you're going to be working with 20 students who are all in their homes across the world, actually in lots of different time zones. I know it's early days. And You haven't fully begun yet. How are you feeling about that? Does that feel um, inspiring to you or overwhelming now that you've learned all these new skills? Maybe it feels a bit more comfortable. You feel a bit more comfortable.
1: Initially, I thought that the the commission would be cancelled just because of the pure nature of, you know, Mm. the activity mission was um, but you know northern school have been doing amazing work to keep all of their classes and programs running and i believe that they're doing a fantastic job at that you know students are still getting their daily technique classes they're mm. getting help they need um, so northern have built up a real robust infrastructure that are allowing things to happen and my initial thought when they asked me to do the work via Um, social media platforms was to run for the hills because, again, being a technophobe. But, you know, through various meetings with the school and with yourself, you know, I think it's about understanding what the limitations are and then rather rather than seeing that as a negative, seeing what we can make of that and how we can make a piece of art from that and using all of the constraints and restrictions that we've got as a good thing, as as kind of things to work with. Mm. So a lot of my thinking has not really been artistic yet. It's been a lot of practical thinking about how can I deliver a well-rounded project for students um, on a digital platform that doesn't somehow dilute or reduce the impact that I might have had if I would have worked with them in a studio. Um, I think it's really important that I think about that as an artist and I'm able to provide... A process that is rich, that is choreographically exciting for people in isolation, mm. uh, to give them a variety of things to do <laughs> um, during these times. Um, and for me to be able to manage that effectively. So for me, that's where a lot of the energy is going, is just the practicalities of the day to day delivery of what we're going to do.
0: Yeah, so far, de- yeah.
1: So far, I think underneath all of that, what we do artistically, I, I'm less worried about. You know, I've done a lot of work with dance on film and dance for camera. So that that doesn't frighten me so much in terms of being able to produce some, some kind of good work um, from mm. the project. Mm. What worries me slightly is just the practicalities, but I'm being offered a lot of help and I've got you on board. So hopefully... Always
0: a good move. With-
1: Always a good move, Lou. I just, yeah, I think between us all, I think once I've understood how it's going to be managed, then I think I'll be able to relax further into it and really enjoy the process. I, I don't want to fear it. I want to enjoy this and see what can happen. It's an experiment.
0: Mm. I've been really can, struck by your um, concern for these young people, and I know we've talked a bit about. You know, whilst the content of the show might end up being uh, a bit dark or reflective of these times, we're not, we're not really sure about that yet. But but either way, you're really concerned about making sure that they're okay and they have fun in the warm up, and you know that you're looking after them. Are you are you worried about the younger generation, Gary? Like people just coming out of college, as these would have been, or as these are, uh, and people who've recently entered the industry? Do you do you worry for them?
1: I I do. Um, I worry because having gone through dance training myself, this this part of their studying is a real crucial point. You know, it's, it, it's, it's a part in the training when all of the assessments have been done and your three years of hard work come to a head and you get to perform one last time in front of an audience and it's a celebration and I know how that feels and mm-hmm. it, it feels like a big sense of achievement and a team effort. So I really feel for not just as northern students but Mm. any any graduates in their third year about to leave university it must be a very very confusing time i think um for these youngsters about how they're going to carve out a career and what the next step is. And I really want to urge, you know, universities and tutors to just give as much support as they can, which I'm sure they are doing, but um, it, they must feel slightly deflated. And, you know, just not having that human interaction with other people is going to have a huge effect. You know, what what we do in dance is very human-relying, you know, that, and human contact is, is huge. It's a big part of what we do. So that you know, the, an absence of that mm-hmm. might leave these young people. Fragile. At a time think- when
0: they need their energy and they need their buoyancy more than ever. You know, leaving college to go join the industry is always a big yeah. deal, isn't it? And and always challenging. But now when we no longer know what the landscape will look like, um they're gonna need all, all the energy and confidence they could can possibly muster. And yet they haven't left on this well, they are going to leave on a high, but you know, it's not not the same as they'd hoped for and not that personal human connection. So yeah, I think um we need to keep an eye on these people, don't we? Um, and and the, yeah. the sector needs to support them as, as much as they can in the in the you know next few years.
1: Yeah, and I think that's something that I'm wanting to put into this commission is make sure that we do daily check-ins with the students just to try and keep that bond and trying to keep that sense of togetherness mm. as much as we can. Yeah. Um, and if I can play a small part in just helping them be more buoyant in these times, then... I'd like to do that. You know, I really care about the next generation of of dancers, dance makers and creators. Mm -hmm. You know, I think it's really important that we nurture and pass on our knowledge. So I'm going to do everything I can in my power to to try and um, nurture them as much as I can. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I was lucky to have that when I was going through my training and beyond. Um, so I hope I will be a helping hand for
0: that. I'm sure you will I know how your enthusiastic uh, spirit can infect a room Um, but how is your enthusiastic spirit actually how are you personally how are you riding the waves of this are you feeling mainly peaceful and content or a little bit lost at times how's it going?
1: I think like everybody I have good days, I have bad days, I have days where I feel confused, I have Mm. days where I feel very, very hopeful, I feel days where I feel lost. Um, I'm trying to keep busy, you know, with the digital platform, there's a lot to do there. Mm. Um, And me and Annabelle are looking at the future and trying to uh, plan for the future, even though the future is so unknown. Uh, So we're busy doing that. and we, kind of weirdly, I, I I relaxed into it quite early on because I I kind of understood the situation. I knew that this was a, a major worldwide issue, mm. so I knew there was very little I could do about it. So I took comfort in doing things that I would never have done before, like, like. sorting out my sorting out my sock drawer. Like, <laughs> you know, like filing, knowing the law. Um, you know, listening to albums that I've been meaning to listen to for for years you know reading mm-hmm. books that i've just not had a chance to do and i think i've needed a break from my creative career for quite a while now you know i've always got my foot down on the accelerator and i think this has allowed me to just take a breather take stock um have a moment for myself you know without indulging too much it's allowed me to slow down slightly um but then of course the next day i might get really irritated by the situation and want to, you know, do something. So it changes daily, but I know that's the same for everybody. And I'm lucky that I've got a good uh, family network around me. Um, I don't have any children, which, you know, I know people have been struggling with homeschooling and various different issues. So I've not had a bad ride so far and I feel very lucky for that, that I've been able to to kind of relax into it. Yeah. So I'm doing okay. I'm doing all right. You know, I'm putting weight on <laughs> and I've got a little bag of goodies at the side of my bed that I do dig into now and again.
0: Biscuits, <laughs> biscuits Gary.
1: But yeah, biscuits, chocolate, you know, and the stuff I used to do on, on an evening to relax now can be at 12 o'clock in <laughs> the afternoon. <laughs> it's a win-win. <laughs> Well, I think time. There's something about time, you know, that without work and without that kind of structure, one day leads into the next, and suddenly you're strange, isn't it? You get caught in this weird, uh, you know, it's like the twilight zone somehow. But Mm. but I'm coping all right, Lou. I am. I'm trying to. And you've got got a
0: very tidy sock drawer, which I'm very happy to hear. In fact, I'd quite like photographic proof of that, please. (laughs) That'd be fun. Um, okay so talking about the future I wanted to ask you something um, so I've been involved in quite a lot of conversations recently um, kind of pre-covid really although I think they're still relevant about how the arts um, specifically the dance sector might want to evolve its notion of what success looks like so uh, in the past or maybe the present um, pre, you know Present a minute ago before this all happened. Um, Success looked like uh, you were on a tour, you were reaching as many venues as you could, um, playing to obviously as many audiences as you could, but in as, as many regions as was possible. And basically, I think the focus was kind of breadth Um, But people now are craving, uh, and this was before COVID, um, depth instead. So working in smaller geographical areas, developing lasting relationships with communities, with audiences, going back to venues, uh, not just every year, but more often than that, um, and trying to deepen the impact of the work. Now, I know that you uh, have been developing relationships with communities for years. That's what you do. Part of all the work you do is you have... Uh, participatory uh, action don't you and I know you take that very seriously so it's not like you don't have that interaction but I wonder how you feel is it an interesting offer to you that maybe the the world might soon choose to shrink the geographical spread and focus on deepening these relationships and trying to deepen um, and lengthen in terms of time the impact that you might have on communities Is, is that a vision is that a future that's Y- you can be excited about
1: absolutely and i think it was really telling you know the minute we went into lockdown how quickly the arts became really important mm. for people you know music film dance, television uh poetry performance dance people were craving to have this interaction with art and and for many people that might have been the first time they've access access to some of those art forms but because we were in lockdown now they there was a huge need for it. And I think if anything positive is to come from this, it's to know that art can change lives and art can have an impact, which I know sometimes gets a question mark, you know, for for funding and for what people are doing. But I think it's been really crucial in these times and daily it's, it's proving to be more crucial. And I think once lockdown is lifted and if and when we get back to some sort of normality with the arts, I think our contact with the general public and with people is going to be huge mm. and I don't think we should underestimate the power of of that and I think people will be craving that um like you said i've been I've been doing this a long time in my own work so I, I know the kind of in, impact it can have on people but I'm just really hopeful that that can be more widespread and more recognised, I think, through through the government and through funding bodies and the general public, you Mm. know, that it might have given access to the arts that people might not have had before. It might have opened people's eyes to possibilities and areas that they might not have tapped into.
0: So can Um, you see that you would do more participatory work, more local work, uh, and not aim for such a a wide tour base? Is that something... uh,
1: Well, personally, no, because I think what we try and do is work with local communities in a small way, but then we try and multiply that with our toes. So Mm. what we don't do is just do big, massive participatory projects where you don't have any real contact with people we try and work with smaller communities whenever we go into an area with our productions we've got a whole wraparound of activity where we work for about a week in that area with those people we build a fantastic relationship we get to know these people we get to nurture them they become friends um and then we move on to the next place but we carry those people with us so in a way our community travels you know and it grows in a sense um and I think for me that's about spreading what we do rather than keeping it to one specific area. I really like the fact that we travel the country and we meet so many different people and are able to inspire them and, you know, change their lives in many, many different ways. Yeah. But what we don't yeah. do is just leave them behind. We've got a lot of strategies in to make sure that we continue a relationship. And I'm really proud of that. You know, like on a daily basis I'm in touch with a lot of our pit women from Coal, a lot of our pit men from Wasteland and our brass bands players, you know, and some of them we worked with five years ago. Um, so I think in, when we talk about communities, I think our community for what Gary Clark Company does is ever growing and it's ever expanding and, I, and I'm proud of that.
0: Okay, um, so now to talk about the sector more generally. Um, some people are see, see this moment in time as an opportunity to pause and look at how how things have been working, and perhaps seize the opportunity to make positive change. Now, I wanted to ask you how you feel about the funding structures, the way the way the dance sector works, really, and whether there's anything in there that you feel particularly could be revisited at, at this point, if if indeed such a thing is possible.
1: Well, I think that in the last. 8 to 10 years i think the the arts council of england have been doing a great job about visibility on all different levels you know um i think that um people have been working and striving really hard to be advocates for those areas and i think it's been listened to uh, when you look at the landscape in dance now it's so varied uh, in my opinion um, and there's a lot of um, really exciting work out there on different kind of scales ranging from the small scale up to the to the large touring model uh, and you've got your rural touring you've got the all your community engagement uh, projects uh, you've got projects for change so I think for me it, it felt quite a positive um, road that we were going down I do think that there is some sort of a gap um, between the NPO structure, mm. so your big companies, and then your independent artists, your smaller companies, and the jump that you've got to make between these two are, are huge. And I know that's something that we're looking at at the minute is possibly applying to become an NPO because if we want to continue making the work that we make
0: at the scale. Um,
1: of this particular scale then the NPO structure is the way to go um but I do think and I will argue that there is a whole area there that possibly needs uh, looking at moving into the future um because it is a it, there's a huge gap there but I do know that the arts council are looking at that mm. and I think that they sometimes they use us as, as an example of kind of uh, you know Producing work of of a certain level and scale, but not yet an NPO, and what that means, uh, and the amount of work that goes into an NPO.
0: Yeah, and it's not that everybody wants to make that leap organizationally and you know i know the bu- bureaucracy involved is enormous isn't it so uh, and i know that having seen your company uh, in action um yeah that you're you know working on the middle scale producing regularly playing to large audiences but that doesn't necessarily mean you want to become an mpo uh, but there's nowhere else to go is there
1: yeah. And I, when you become an NPR, there's obviously more things that you've got to adhere to and answer to and write about <laughs> and prove, um, which is which is fine because there, there's a lot of money at stake and it, and it spreads over a lot of years. But that is a huge leap for many, many people. Um, I mean, I feel lucky that I've got a brilliant team around me with brilliant expertise and years of experience working in the sector. So I feel very, very well supported. But um I'm aware that I've had to build that up over 10-15 years mm. Um, not everybody has that and I do worry that that can be problematic for some people
0: and you've resisted becoming an organization um, for a long time I mean not becoming an organization but you have you have not wanted to become a limited company and that kind of thing you you have felt that some of that was a bit restrictive in the past is that right <laughs>
1: Yeah, I would say restricted, but I also think there's something about longevity and taking time. I wasn't I was in no rush um mm. to um to have this kind of big infrastructure around me, even though I do, but it's on a freelance level. I wanted to make sure that I was ready for that jump and that, that I could sustain that for a long period of time. I think mm. because of the amount of work and the sacrifices that I made, you've got to be ready. And I've seen far too many of my peers struggle um, because they've gone into something like that way too okay, soon and, yeah. they, and the kind of groundwork has not been built but now that I've worked on the mid-scale for five years and I've built up an audience, I understand my work better, I understand my vision, um, I think I know now what I'm skilled at and where my skills lie and what I what I can produce and what I can deal with, mm-hmm. now I feel ready to take that next step but we are doing baby steps, you know, it's about taking our time, it's about me not only as an artist but as a businessman understanding every step of the way what's happening and why things are happening I don't just want to be an artist in an organization that doesn't understand every area I think that's really important um for any artist moving into the next stage is to try is to is to deeply understand what it is you're moving into because my name's on this mm-hmm. company I'm a figurehead and I've got to make sure that I delivering work up to a standard that I would like and 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 be able to speak about it eloquently and articulately so um you know my team have been really sympathetic about that and they've really allowed me to um drive that with my own speed and it might take I've, I've taken my own time with that and now I feel like I'm ready to go into the into the next level and i'm 40 now Lou, as well you know i'm growing up
0: so no really can't <laughs> okay. be true um it's interesting you i've never heard you call yourself a businessman before um, <laughs> um and it makes me laugh a little bit but actually it's true and i've seen you grow in terms of you know that that level of responsibility and that level of knowledge really um yeah do you How have you learned that side of things is it by just sort of trial and error or do you you feel like you've been supported enough in terms of acquiring the skills that you need to go from being Mm. a choreographer a dancer a choreographer to to becoming a businessman running an organization and with everything that involves
1: yes but I think it goes back to longevity I think because I've taken my time
0: Mm.
1: I've learned along the way and I've grown you know I started off making really small work in small theaters um and then I've obviously grown over the years to produce much bigger work. So I've learned along the way. And I, I must say Annabelle, my producer, has been a great mentor. Mm. You know, She's allowed me to understand strategies and infrastructures and reporting in a way that's more digestible for me as an artist. I have a very particular mm. way of seeing the world and how I see things. So she's able to break things down for me so I understand it Um because there's no way I'm just going to become a businessman. Like that's just not what I, I'm not in it for the success or the money or the prestige. That's not what I'm in it for. I want to make sure that I'm still putting hundred percent into my creativity and my art, but I'm aware on the other side of it, I have also got to have a sound knowledge of the business. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm going to be required to go and negotiate and speak to people and, and get funding and commissions and money. And that's part of my role. That's part of my job.
0: Yeah, it is. And also when you're working at this scale, you have so many staff, basically, don't you? And um, yeah, Yeah. you know, you run a a happy ship, um, but these are not skills that artists are necessarily taught. I'm just wondering if there is a, a gap there in terms of provision that people you know artists who are working their way up whatever a, fun, a funding ladder um, could get a bit more support to learn those additional skills to make it all a bit more solid and a bit more strategic and a bit more uh, future yeah. safe I suppose.
1: Yeah and I think a lot of that has grown from me working with Annabelle for so long you know I met Annabelle when I was a teenager when she ran DanceWorks UK in Sheffield mm. um, so she's seen me kind of grow and she's she supported some of my very very early development work when I was just tipping my toe into the water of of making work so she's been able to kind of nurture me so there's a lot of trust there I think I'm proud to say that she's my producer but I know there's a whole grey area about what a producer is and how that works with artists Um, and me and Annabelle have only build that up through time Mm. and trust and we speak the same language now and we've got the same vision which is really important so I you're right I do think there's an area that can be looked at where artists and producers or people that are on you know the maybe the management or producing side can maybe work together to find out what that dialogue and relationship is
0: Mm, and also um yeah Uh, training of producers and support of producers i've had some conversations recently about how vital they are how there aren't enough of them how it's difficult to to sustain a career as a producer so lots of people sort of fall fall out along the way um and not everybody has an annabelle do they um
1: i know i feel very lucky especially now in in the in these times you know moving forward when we do get back to some sort of normality we don't know what the landscape's going to look like so we're going to really mm. need to support artists and support each other about trying to understand how we move forward because mm. i do think mm. things will have changed and i think we'll have to change the way that we think about our work and the way that we uh think about moving forward mm. I, I think we're gonna have to as artists i think we're gonna have to think really creatively about how to navigate around some of the problems that we might face
0: and it seems that uh in in the sort of rethinking about how the money if there is any how it might be spent and where it might go uh, it seems sadly likely that we're going to lose a few buildings along the way but actually the role of the producer is crucial here to keeping things flowing and going and that Uh, You know, there's often talk about giving money to producers and them deciding where it goes, or you know, Mm -hmm. giving them a bit more agency and sort of recognising their the importance and and their skill and their knowledge. Maybe that's something that's a little bit more cost effective, um, but that could keep the arts alive. I don't know.
1: Absolutely and I must say I keep using the Arts Council as an example because they're one of our main funding bodies but I've been really impressed with the way that the Arts Council have been really human and sympathetic to some of their communication that they've been having with artists and wanting to keep the industry alive and I think for me that's been really refreshing Mm. and I've really enjoyed seeing that that there's been a a big level of support I think for people all over the sector going from the MPOs right down to the independent artists mm-hmm. that the Arts Council were able to step in and, and help support that and I I would hope that that kind of continues into the future on on all the levels that we're
0: talking about. Yeah, let's hope that um, Mr. Sunak gets some money out of his pockets and and keeps the arts (laughs) going. I suppose, Um, but yeah, I mean, it's 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 nice to give credit where it's due, isn't it? Clearly, the arts council have done their best, and I'm sure there's lots of opinions about how how they could have what what they might have done. But you know, we're all sort of um, blustering our way through this, aren't they? And I know that yeah, you're not alone in thinking that. They've made a decent, a decent job of it so far. Um, yeah. So the future, clearly you have no idea what it looks like or what the landscape will you know will be. But um, what, what do you hope it will be? What do you hope it will be for Gary Clark Company? What's your plans? And what do you hope it will be more generally for the sector?
1: Well, what I'm trying to do at the minute is to be patient. Mm. I think um, initially there was so much panic that spread across the sector about, money security what happens next the funding being cut etc there's nothing we could have done about that so i take stock in trying to just be patient and allow things to unfold daily um for me as a as a company i i'm going to take some time out of of making and i'm going to look at my infrastructure i'm going to be looking at the model um, of what I'm surrounded by. Organisationally, um,
0: organizationally little, mean?
1: Yes, yeah. yeah, making that a little bit more robust. Uh, I think the idea in the future is to still possibly try and work up to an NPO status, which takes a long time mm. and there's a lot of different stepping stones to get there. So within the next year, we're going to be looking at that. And then the, the main aim is to start uh, looking at my third mid-scale work, which will be a follow-on to Coal and Wasteland. I was really proud of what we did as a company with those two pieces, and I'd like to continue that on into a third work, but that's way down the line, mm-hmm. and that's all depending on what happens with funding. I'm keeping hopeful mm-hmm. that somehow we can go back to a touring model, even, that, you know, there's so many theatres closing, we just don't know what, what the future is, but I'm keeping hopeful because that's all i can do um i think i'm flexible enough and i've got enough experience that if the landscape changes then i would just try and tailor my projects or my my artistic output to try and fit what the sector and the public needs you know i have a responsibility as an artist to deliver that so i'm really open to the future i'm really um I'm kind of yeah, I'm I'm ready for anything really. I'm I'm open to see what's needed and what's required. I don't want to be too selfish in these
0: times. Mm, You're not scared of a bit of graft either, are you, Gary? No, I'm really not. I don't mind a bit of work. I'm from a mining
1: village, so mm-hmm. I don't mind getting my hands dirty. <laughs> but again, if I can help rebuild the sector somehow, and that means me not making touring work for a while, then so be it. You know, mm-hmm. I think however we can provide a service, then we, we will do that.
0: How was your mining village? Do you what? know, it's really
1: beautiful at the minute. I've grinded you know, it's known for its quite kind of crime and deprivation. But at the minute, it's it's blossoming, it's blooming. Um, and the other day, there was a wild peacock that was found on the road. <laughs> was
0: that wild? No, I mean, it belonged to somebody. We,
1: we don't, well, we don't know where it's come from. It, you know, it, It's not it observing like a top,
0: lockdown, is it?
1: <laughs> it was a talking point of the village. It ended up in my dad's garden. We've oh, got wow. a picture of this beautiful peacock. It was just phenomenal. Wow. Um, and I, I and I said at that moment, you know, if, if there's anything good to come from this, is that animals are reclaiming the land. Mm. You know, it's been wonderful to see so much, so many wild animals just kind of come out.
0: And is the village? Um, I mean, I think it's quite close knit village anyway, isn't it? But is the village coming together and um, everybody looking after each yeah. other?
1: Yeah, as much as we can, as much as we can. There's a lot of support here. People are sticking by the rules. Uh, we really enjoy the Thursday capping for the NHS. It's one of the few times that people get to see each other. Do you and stay
0: out ch- and talk, then yeah,
1: yeah, and have a chat, and as much as we can, yeah, mm. with the, the neighbours. And you know, everyone's been helping out with some of the elderly members. I've done a few. Uh, pharmacy runs to get tablets and prescriptions and shopping Mm. for different people so you know we pull together as a village we always have done yeah right you know we're really we're really proud of that as a village we're very very tight knit and everybody knows each other you know there's generations of families here so we're doing good
0: doing good probably much more resilience and and sort of community spirit than in cities like where i live (laughs) um yeah probably the, the shared history that you for generations have been through you know if you saw that off you can certainly see this off as well i guess
1: Totally. Yeah, we're
0: doing fine. Speaking of public service, I just wanted to, uh, just before we finish, I just wanted to talk about the little Facebook uh, offerings you've been given. I think you you didn't necessarily expect this, but you started to make little public service announcements, didn't you, quite early on in this? And I'm going to read you, if I may, a couple of my favourites. So this is one. Today is Tuesday. Tuesday may be a hard day. Try not to worry. Just know that somebody, sorry, just know that someday this will be all over and that people love you. <laughs> Which yeah. is very sweet. And then, today is Sunday. Don't let that be an excuse to stay in your PJs all day and not wash. It's not big and it's not clever. <laughs> so these have been very successful, haven't they? I know you were sort of a bit surprised and a bit like, oh God, I've got, I've got to do it like that um, But that's, that's true, isn't it? People are enjoying <laughs> them. Why do you think that is? Well, it,
1: it was an accident first. Mm-hmm. I mean, someone came on Facebook and just said, oh, can anyone remember what day it is as a bit of a jerk, and I just commented and said oh I think it's Wednesday and you know don't forget to brush your teeth and it came out where the government the government had come up with this kind of list about how to survive you know your physical and mental well-being during lockdown and some of, some of these things on this list was things like um, you know make sure you brush your teeth before 2pm make sure that you get out of your pyjamas and you get dressed try and have a structure try and stick to like normal life and the more I was seeing pictures on Facebook of people working from home in their pajamas and you know forgetting to even brush their hair or just do the normal things it became really funny for me so I just responded and and with this one Facebook post and I got this massive response and people were laughing and liking and then it just became a daily thing for me, and it kept me going. It was consistent. It, um, I was finding humour within it, and then one day I didn't put up a post about the day, and everyone went crazy, said that's it, that you know the world's ended, Gary's Gary's collapsed. What are we going to do? And I had to make a public apology and <laughs> pick it back up. And then people were sending photographs of them at home and their gardens, and it was all done with some fun it's and humour. So
0: it's really sweet. Um, and are you still doing them, Gary, or has the world fallen apart?
1: Well, because of the digital aspect, I've had to kind of put it on hold. Ah, but I've, I know, I think I've gone under the radar. People have allowed me to slip, but I might just pop up maybe one day next week and just say, aha, you thought I'd gone, and I might kickstart it all again.
0: I think we need you, Gary. I need you <laughs> in it, anyway.
1: it was fun. And it's true, everyone forgets what day it is.
0: It's a strange old treacly time, isn't it? I
1: know, I know, but, but we'll, we'll get through it. And I think you know we've done good as a as a race. I think we've all done our bit, and it's been great to see the the death numbers fall, which was horrific, you know, a few weeks ago. So you know, if we stick together, you know, we'll we'll get through it.
0: Yeah. Okay. One last, very, very important question: uh, Do you have any box set recommendations? I'm running out, or any shows that you've seen online that you think we need to see?
1: Oh, I've done the whole box set. I've been through the whole of Netflix. I've gone through RuPaul's Drag Race. I've done. I'm doing Killing Eve. I've done Ozark. Ah, oh,
0: okay. Um, okay.
1: Yeah, I'm doing a lot of trashy stuff at the minute, which is great. You know, I'm allowed to just laugh and just enjoy them. Uh, so, yeah, I've been going through Netflix and just kind of clicking on anything and just watching a load of old rubbish, but it's great and it feels good.
0: I'm a great advocate for a, for a lowbrow response to this <laughs> pandemic. Uh, you know, time off is allowed as well, isn't it?
1: Absolutely. and I, Yeah. And I'm again, I'm enjoying that time off. I'm enjoying not thinking too hard about work and i know that sounds a little bit kind of strange in these times but yeah just to watch some trashy tv has been good for me
0: yeah well i'm gonna let you get back to it thank you gary clark so much uh, it's been really nice to talk to you and of course uh, you know we all wish you luck and hope it all goes brilliantly from here on in thank you gary thank you lou Well, that's it for this episode of Downtime. I really hope you enjoyed it. Please do listen to the other episodes with other brilliant artists and arts leaders and please also have a look at my website, www.thecoad.org. May you be lucky and well enough to have a little inspired downtime of your own.